Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson, and today we're going to share a story about how running hurts sometimes, but we'll also discuss why that's a good thing. And then I'm going to talk about an experience that I had when I was living below the nat line. (laughs) And what does that have to do with becoming a better runner? Well, Keep listening and you'll find out. And joining me for all of that and more is Run for God founder, Mitchell Hollis. Thanks for having me, Dean. Good morning. Good morning. It is early. Yeah, we're here early. Every once in a while we have to do these things very early because of scheduling things. And I don't know, my coffee hadn't kicked in yet. So maybe maybe everybody listening will get to witness my coffee kicking in this morning. Yeah, that might be interesting. Watch <laughs> you come alive right. just <laughs> in real time. Like a flower blooming maybe. <laughs> I don't think it'll be that. Uh, well, it's get it, we're uh, we're recording this just before daylight savings time ends, yep. and so we get an extra hour of sleep, but then it gets dark early. So we were talking this week and uh, yesterday, and somebody was saying it was a great thing that daylight savings time was ending, and I'm like, no, it's a terrible thing. And of course, they were talking about the hour of sleep, and I was talking about the lack of. Yeah, I I mean, it's kind of like the seasons where we live. I love the variety. You know, some people don't have, is it daylight savings time or they don't have daylight savings times in some places, do they? Right. Some states. But I I like the changes, you know. I like, I don't necessarily like that it gets darker earlier, but I like that it's getting daylight earlier because right now it's almost, what, 745 before it gets good daylight outside. So. That's kind of a bummer, but it's um, true. It's true. But yeah, Thanksgiving's coming up pretty quick. Do you got any Thanksgiving traditions that your family does? No, we. I used to with <clears throat> um, with my mother when mm-hmm. she was alive. Yeah. But now we we don't really have we don't do a whole lot on Thanksgiving. Really? Yeah. And and the reason we don't do a whole lot is because we always did something with. I left that day for my mother, whatever right. she wanted to do. And so now Debbie and I we just kind of hang out on Thanksgiving. We don't, Time for a new tradition. And I I don't like turkey, so really I don't I don't hmm. eat turkey on wow. Thanksgiving. So I might be, I know I'm the oddball, and I know maybe even that's blasphemous to say it, <laughs> but that's how I am. Well, we're always down at you know Holly's parents live right. down on the beach yeah. in Florida. You guys so have a great tradition. We have a we have a week long thing, but the, probably my favorite part of Thanksgiving is not. It's actually not Thanksgiving. It's Friday after Thanksgiving, and it's not because of Black Friday. We always go out fishing, and we come back, and, and this this little town in Florida called Apalachicola. Try mm-hmm. to say that 10 times real fast. But um, in Apalachicola, the Friday after Thanksgiving, at like 5.30 in the evening, right, right as it's starting to get dark, Santa Claus comes in on a shrimp boat. <laughs> and it's the coolest thing. I mean, it's just yeah. it's kind of it's it's a really small town, and it's I don't know. I love those kind of small town traditions yeah. like that. So that we're excited cool. to get back down there. Is, cool. is your Christmas tree up yet? Of course it is. <laughs> <dude>. <laughs> of course it is. 
So uh, I probably broke all kind of laws as early as I put it up this year. Probably. At least social laws, but I don't care. The haters can hate. I love having the Christmas tree up. So, uh, well, let's move on. Let's talk about this week's sponsor again. If you are a business out there and you want to support what Run For God does and allow us to support you in the process, give us a, an email. Shoot us an email at runlanehollis at gmail.com. We'll get you all the information on how you can be part of that. And um, it's a good partnership, just like our good partnership with Casey Carpenter here. Um, Gathered Goods is our partner for this week. Gathered Goods is a special kind of produce market. It only happens a handful of times per year, ran by Casey Carpenter, a household name right here in Dalton. Um, They provide the freshest produce shipped in in just days before the sale, sometimes even the day of. The variety of goods they bring is just unreal. It really is a great organization, so be on the lookout for the next produce run by Gathered Goods. It's worth every penny, and it is. It it's is. Uh, Casey does a great job of hopping that time up. He does a lot for the farmers of Georgia, really. Yeah. Uh, he goes around the state and really handpicks who he's going to make part of this, and they bring it in by the transfer truck load. It's, yeah. it's really amazing what he pulls off in that period of just a few days. Um, thousands and thousands of boxes of produce so uh go check it out it's nice for a plant-based eater like me see i do more for the farmers than you do uh no <laughs> people have to farm cattle and chickens <laughs> that's There's true plenty of, i mean don't yeah. hate on the chicken farmers that's true. They uh, farmers, that's true. so that's true. <laughs> uh, but yeah great organization go it check is. them out gather goods you can find them on uh, you can google them at gather goods and um yeah Great good organization. Very good. Well, let's talk about the Run Club social post we had from last week that I liked. Um, this one comes from Alice Rines, and this is this is our, was our questions. What to do questions she posts. My next race will also be at higher elevations with more hills, so wondering what to do over the next 12 weeks. Two things I'm planning. One, adding calf raises to my strength routine. And two, at least every other Saturday, run do the long run as a – bridge repeaters since that is the only type of hill i have to prepare for this last race my long run always had a bridge that i had to go over out and back but it wasn't enough any other ideas my ferritin levels are just above the baseline for normal so my doc does have me taking supplements for that but i just started and i believe that will help with this the slogging through mud weighted leg feeling (laughs) i think there's two important things here and this I actually, she sent this out and I, I responded to this and you may have seen that if you, if you're regular on run club social, you, you may have seen my response to this, but here's the thing. Hills are hard. <laughs> they, they <laughs> Let's just, just go ahead and get that fact out of yes, the way. They, they are. And so I think people are looking for this thing to make hills feel like the rest of their run. Yeah. That can't happen. Mm-mm. It doesn't matter. It shouldn't happen. Right. And I've run hundred thousand miles plus yeah and hills are still very hard for me sure and so the idea that you're gonna figure out a way to make hills feel like the rest of your run i don't want to say easy because even just running on flat ground is not necessarily easy but you're not going to get there you're never going to get there now some people are better at hills than others you know some people do have an easier time going up hills i'm not one of those i really i struggle with hills to this day i've always struggled with hills Again, with all the miles I've run, I'm never going to be a good hill runner. I just have to accept it. And uh, I've learned to run really well downhills. Mm. So um, maybe that's something you can work on to make up for 
the the struggle and some people struggle with running downhill there's people that Mm -hmm. are better at it than others absolutely ironically enough so 100 i've been in races with people that are good uphill poor downhill runners Mm -hmm. and it's interesting well you've talked about some races on here where Mm -hmm. you 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 gained on people on the downhills because yeah you know they got you on the uphills but you got them on the downhills it's it it happens happens all the time so yeah listen i understand why you hate hills (laughs) i guarantee you i understand it uh and the other issue she talked about here was her ferritin level um and I, here's my thoughts, and I'm not a doctor. I want to mm. be very clear about that. Yeah, I'm not a doctor. I'm get not that out there. Yes, and I'm not telling you what to do. But in my experience, if you've ever been diagnosed with a low iron level in any way, it does not hurt to take an iron supplement daily. Right. Um, you know, you don't take a ton. You don't t- take a whole bunch of iron, but take a little bit of iron every day. And I, I just find that that's a good idea to just do it and make it a habit and just keep doing it from now till forever. Yeah, and one thing, one other thing that we've also found out about iron through the years is, you know, the when you go to the doctor's office and they give you a, a kind of a baseline chart, your iron should be between this and this. Oftentimes the chart they're showing you, the the what they call the normal side can actually be a little bit low because the more mm-hmm. active you are, the more iron you actually need. So, right. you know, I think... Um, I've heard people say that they're they're in the normal level when they're you know above 35 or something like that well you know i've done some research and we went through that whole thing with lane and i've always been told that if it's below 40 as an endurance athlete you're you're mm-hmm. on the low side it doesn't hurt to to get up you know 80 90 100 mm-hmm. um it, you have to get really high for it to start to get dangerous but with that said I'm not a doctor. You're right. not a doctor. So go check it out. Uh, if you got questions on it, you can go to the runforgodblog.com and pull up. Just just type in iron. And I think we did a, a, a blog on there about the thing about iron. Yeah. Uh, it's a good read. So, yeah, it's a, it's a interesting topic. Absolutely. I take iron every day. Um, I was anemic back in 1988. Hmm. And um, I didn't know that. Yes, I w- well, it was when I when I graduated from college mm-hmm. because my diet was so poor mm-hmm. when I was in when I was in college because I, I I got through college debt free mm-hmm. and the way I got through college debt free was <laughs> I, your nutrition suffered. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> um, but I was glad that I did. Sure, and I yeah. learned something. And, um, and so now I know that if, if my body has the potential to, to have low iron, then I, I just take iron Yeah, and, and I think it's good for me. All right. We had a trivia question for last week and it was this running on the treadmill requires less energy than running outside. What is it about running outside that makes it more difficult than running on a treadmill? You knew the answer to this one, didn't you? I, well, n- n- yes, but I would have put something else in front of it. So I think we can argue about which one, but yeah, go ahead and I'll there, tell you what I thought. There it was. are a couple of things yeah. there. Um, wind resistance, yeah, they say that's is, probably the number one. Is the number sure. one thing yeah. is that uh, wind resistance is the number one thing that makes running outdoors tougher than running indoors um, on a treadmill. And since we're going into winter, mm-hmm. and in some pla- some parts of the country, it's already really cold. Um, a lot of people have to spend more time on a treadmill um, or choose to. You know, listen, I'm not, I don't like treadmills. I avoid them at all, <laughs> all costs. Um, 
you and I both run some long runs on some treadmills. Yeah. Um, you much longer than I have. Yeah. Um, but I, I picked up this information. This comes from Healthline, if you want a, a reference, um, about treadmill running because and versus outdoor running. Cause I, and I thought this was interesting. So treadmill running, pros to treadmill running. Um, it's one of, the, one of the biggest advantages of using a treadmill is its, its accessibility. Uh, most treadmills are indoors, so you can use it day or night. You can use it in any climate. Uh, it just makes it met with it with the weather and, and the darkness. Uh, a lot of people don't like to run in the dark yeah. as well. Um, it makes running a little bit easier uh, from that standpoint. Um, and of course, treadmills have a lot of different functions. You can control the speed precisely. Um, you can. There's some. Some of them have workouts built into them. You, interval training and other things, and that's an interesting thing. It provides a little bit of variety, and that's something that's cool about treadmills. Um, it's also good for people who are returning from an injury. So if you've had a minor injury, a lot of times treadmills can help you um, creep back into mm-hmm. running in a in a in a an easier way, in a better way. Um, one of the things about treadmills is that they are softer Mm -hmm. than running on a road or a sidewalk Um, and so they're better on your joints and things like that Um, and and that those are the good things about treadmills well there's some cons about treadmills too Um, obviously the biggest one the one for me is there's no scenery Mm. now some treadmills have uh, like little screens on them where you can watch stuff and things like that that's just not enough it's for not me. the same it's not yeah. and I don't know why that doesn't that doesn't do anything for me yeah <laughs> I've tried it um, but it, it, you're never gonna have as much fun with what you're looking at right. on a treadmill uh, and then there's a, a study that shows um, more than one study actually but some that show there's there's not an impact and some that show that there is that you don't use as many muscles when you run on a treadmill well that was going to be my point is is terrain undulations yeah i mean you you when you're running outside you have i I don't know if there's a study that proves it but i would think there has to be a study that shows you're using your core i mean you're using so many things just to because you're constantly it could be a sidewalk and you're constantly watching your footing and even the smallest little ups and downs of a sidewalk, you're engaging a lot more muscles. That's why I think it would, that was my number one reason for running outside, especially if you get off the road and on a trail or something like that, but it's just terrain That's um, because nothing's completely flat, even on a track, Yeah, you know, you're, you're having to watch your footing to some degree in a treadmill. You can really kind of just zone out. Um, that was my my probably I would my argue one. you have to worry about running off the treadmill too. Well, that comes to a coordination thing. Yeah. <laughs> As I get older, that, is, that becomes more. That more is difficult. you being the problem, not the terrain being the problem. Uh, <laughs> and yes, well, I've done it before, so I'm not throwing <laughs> stones at you. Well, there there is there is some some validity. There's definitely a lot of validity to what you're saying mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, if you want the extra work of having to to keep balance and things like that then certainly running outdoors it's one of the best things about running on trails Mm -hmm. is that it it is good for your core and and other things so it's why i run on trails because i hate running on trails but if you follow me on strava you'll see that i'm on trails Mm -hmm. fairly regularly and i do that because i want to i want i want to help my core so i think we've talked about it on here i'm going to throw a uh the leaves are probably already gone for most everybody listening but i did the hagmill 
yeah. lake loop this past weekend. Did two loops of it. It's dangerous this time of year. The rocks. The rocks stuff. that are covered by leaves. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many times I about hit the ground, but um, yeah, I got my core workout in that yeah. day for yeah, sure. So for sure. Beware if you're running on trails in the fall because those leaves, uh, there's some things that jump up and bite you and it's not a snake it makes a big difference <laughs> big difference and some people say that your your stride is shorter when you're on a treadmill and that, that uh, now there's some studies that show that's not true i think it just depends on how relaxed you are mm-hmm. when you're on a treadmill personally that's that's my my feeling uh, and then of course one of the downsides of a treadmill is the cost obviously you have to have a treadmill or access to a treadmill and that may carry with it a cost to join a gym or to buy your own treadmill mm-hmm. and um and so you know that th- those are the and then for outdoor running the pros of outdoor running obviously are uh, you know the fresh air the changing scenery the uh, again like you said the, the uneven ground and uh, and of course unlimited options for routes is uh, is one of my favorite things so um both treadmill and outdoor running bring health benefits such as lower blood pressure, greater endurance, and lower risk of depression. But outdoor running may give additional benefits simply by helping you feel more connected to nature, yeah. which I, I think is interesting. And I think it's true. Um, and then there's a 2016 study that found that spending at least 30 minutes per week around outdoor greenery, such as parks and forests, could reduce rates of depression by 7% and high blood pressure by 9%. Hmm. So there's some good reasons to be out in nature, whatever you're doing. And and again, all of this goes to walking as well as, well as running. Does so. the high blood pressure go to because it reduces stress? I mean, just getting outside, being cooped up in an office all day. I know when I stare at my computer all day and, and working, I can feel my body just, I can almost feel my blood pressure going down, the stress going down, just going outside and yeah. even just walking up and down the roads. So. Yeah, yeah hmm. I think so. And then, of course, uh, we just mentioned about just even just dodging people. If you run in a in a city, especially up and down off of curbs and mm-hmm. people, and all of that provides a little bit extra for you. If you're uh, if you're running outdoors as well, and you're running on firmer surfaces, uh, it also shows that that's good for our bones. Mm-hmm. It we feel like it's bad for our joints, but it's also good for them at the same time. You're building bone, yeah, with impact uh, for sure. So, uh, so that's good. So. Um, and then of course running outdoors is free and that's a good thing. So, uh, and then, um, the cons of running outdoors, uh, obviously weather, you know, it's one of the things weather changes. Now I enjoy, I was going to say, it's all about your mentality it there. Is. It your is state of mind, but there's certainly some risk to running in sure. rain and snow and, you know, icy situations and extreme hot or cold temperatures can be, can be risky. Um, so, but you know, normally with right clothing, you can do just about anything, mm-hmm. anywhere, anytime. So the risk of doing nothing is much greater. Absolutely. For sure. Uh, running at night, obviously, you know, is, it can be dangerous depending on where you run you a lot are. at night still. I don't, I rarely, run I don't know night. the last time I ran at night. Yeah. I used to do it quite a bit, but I don't anymore. I don't know why that is. Yeah. I'm, I guess cause I'm getting older and I like to go to bed early. So <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. I think that's my thing, too. <laughs> yeah. um, so, but if you do run at night, make sure you wear reflective gear. Um, just want to say that out front. Um, and uh, find somebody to run with. Yeah. Um, no matter what you're doing. When you're outdoors, if you're running with somebody, it's, a, it's always a whole lot safer for a, just a bevy of reasons. So, yesterday, uh, 
you and I and, and Gay and Shannon and Debbie and Holly, we all went to a, a funeral for one of our, our friend's parents. And um, so I didn't get, I've been telling you, I've been running with Keith Perum. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yesterday I had to run early so I could get back and get home, get ready to go to that funeral. And uh, so I ran by myself. It was the worst run I've had in a while. I don't know. <laughs> You've got. I don't know it. if it was just a bad day or what, but it was one of those runs. You're just like, I just need to do this over tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I finished it, but still, I mean, it's yeah. You get used to running with somebody. It's uh, it's a challenge to yeah. run without somebody. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, that's my that's my typical. So uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the Couch to Marathon. It's it's coming up. You know, we're uh, we're looking at January on starting Couch to Marathon twenty twenty three. We've already had quite a few people sign up for it. They've took the plunge. Uh, we've had some people already sign up to teach and coach in their communities the Couch to Marathon alongside us. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, it's been fun this year. It's it seems like it gets better and better every year. We do have we are going to have a new location for the marathon graduation. More details on that to, to come. We're working out the details of that. Um, but yeah, if you're out there and you've been sitting on the sidelines, maybe you're part of Run Club and you've never run over a 5K, and a marathon is in the back of your mind. I think for if anybody's ever run a 5K, a marathon is is back there somewhere it's yeah. it's in the back of your mind take the plunge Shoot, yeah. take the plunge i mean if you decide a quarter way through it you're just going to go to the half marathon then great but push yourself push yourself outside your comfort zone a little bit we all know what happens when we get outside our comfort zone yeah. we grow that's where true growth happens so um i know there's a lot of people listening and i know there's a lot of people listening who think maybe next year well, next year is almost upon us at this point. Okay. So uh, go to runforgod.com. We've got a yellow banner at the top of the screen that that's a link to the Couch to Marathon 2023. We have the whole playbook that you can download, all the information. If you're a person that needs all the information like me, then that PDF download will give you it's – a, it's a great read for people that like the details. So go to runforgod.com, click on the yellow banner on the homepage, and uh, go check it out. Social media? Nope. Grocery store tabloids? Nope. The newspaper? Not usually. The national news? Are you serious? Is there any media source these days that only shares a positive message? A lot of the media we take in each day can be pretty negative. Why not make the decision right now that your music will only be positive? Sign up for an account at jradio.com today and download the app in your app store. With music for every moment and entirely positive Christian message, it'll be nice to hear things going right for a change. As always, we are sponsored by J Radio, so if you haven't checked them out yet, check them out. You know, this podcast wouldn't be available if it weren't for the folks at J Radio. They do a great job working with us, and, um, you know, even if you decide not to do anything with it, just check it out. Just check it out and, and, and see what you think. Um, and don't forget that on Thursday nights, we meet kind of virtually come up with a topic this week Um, our topic this week is very interesting it will have been done by by the time you it comes up but 
Um, we're going to talk about Mike Rose sweat pledge hmm. this Thursday. I saw the 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 topic you sent to me, but I didn't know that was Mike Rose. Yeah. So uh, by the time this comes out, it, we will have already done that, and it, yeah. but it, I think you'll find that interesting. Now let's make an announcement right here. Most if 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 you're in Run Club, you probably already know this by this point. But going forward, we are doing the the Thursday night lives on the Facebook group. Um, we and we knew this was going to be a challenge when we started the new site. We we've kind of split the team up a little bit. So what we're going to do is we're going to have the the Facebook live or the the Thursday night live will be on the Run Club Facebook group. And the reason for that is we want everybody in one place. You know, we want comments and all that to be in one place. You you do a great job of addressing the comments, and when you split them up, it's a little bit difficult to yeah. to see all the comments. And then, but the great thing about the new runforgod.com is that all of those are automatically archived. So as soon as you're done, it archives it, and you can go to runforgod.com and go to the um, Run Club Live or the Thursday Night Live yep. and pull up all the archives. So if you know if you missed last week for whatever reason, you can go to runforgod.com, make sure you're logged in, obviously, and uh, and go to the archives, and all the information is right there. All the videos are there. So it's a it's a great place to we can have the live on Facebook, and then we can have the archives for any for playback anytime. You may want to play them in front of your class, um, but all that is on the the member side of runforgod.com. That'll be good because it's always been an issue, folks, trying to find, trying to a, find an old yeah. Thursday Night Live session, and that'll be easier. Well, what do you think about weightlifting for runners? Beneficial, not beneficial? What, I mean, I think, your... yeah, I think it's anything you do to improve your fitness is good. Yeah. Obviously yeah. with moderation. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think I think weightlifting is, is great for runners. Well, and it becomes more important as we get older. Sure. Too. The older we are, the more our mu- muscles atrophy, and we, we you lose just naturally lose muscle yeah. as you get older. And yeah. So uh, it, it becomes more important as we get older, and I think we lose sight of that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm struggling with it. I, you know, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of strength training, so I have to force myself to do it. And um, again, now with that said, I think I think you can do most everything you need to do. With body weight. It doesn't have to be weights. That's you know, what I That's do. kind of what I prescribe to. Yeah. You know, you got people like Nick Bear. Have you seen him recently? I haven't. He he posted a picture. It's it's a guy that Lane follows. He's he's kind of a bodybuilder, but he's also a very fast runner. He's ran Boston, you know, very he's kind of challenged the the conventional wisdom that people who lift a lot of weight can't be runners. Yeah. And he's kind of challenged that. And but he has went through this like a 60 pound he he bulk he's one of those that bulks up and, and then drops back down which i don't know if that's healthy i, I don't know um yeah. i'm not saying it's not but i'm saying i don't know if it is but uh but yeah he's one of those guys that he can really lift a lot of weight and still run fast yeah yeah well they're out there well you got ryan hall too so yeah that's true <laughs> he's still running pretty fast yeah 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 i had a guy who was a, he owns a crossfit gym who was telling me that i read it read a book called the unbreakable runner mm-hmm. which talks about crossfit and running and and how the two go together well and of course he's claiming that you can run faster by doing crossfit and mm, I, I completely disagree yeah with that's that, completely wrong yeah but <laughs> <laughs> anyway what about for walkers you think strength training is good for walkers again i think i think doing anything to get yourself more fit is good it's better than nothing 
And the variety's fun. Sure. Yeah. Well, we have a story this week from Sam Ridenour, good friend of ours mm-hmm. from uh, Carroll, Ohio. And uh, this story is called, and this is an older story. We're, we're needing some new stories. So this is an older one. This one's called Scratching the Surface. In my mid-20s, I was bitten by the running bug. Entering local 5K races just wasn't enough. I needed a goal. So after much looking, I found one that was difficult but attainable, the Boston Marathon. My dream was to be in the same race as many of the best runners in the world, and in order to start that race, I had to earn a qualifying time or a BQ. A charity spot would not do. I desperately wanted that BQ, enough so that I vowed never to visit Boston until I qualified for the marathon. Over the next two years, I started running more, and after the first year, I ran my first marathon, but I still had to knock an hour off my time in order to qualify. My job as a high school teacher allowed me to take the summer and devote myself to training for the race. I even chose a marathon in Akron, Ohio, whose course profile mimicked Boston's. That summer of training was awesome. I began to see changes in my body. I began to feel like a real runner. I headed into that race quite confident that I would lower my PR by 20 to 25 minutes. Real progress toward that coveted BQ. The race started off well. The rolling hills in the beginning part of the race were easy to traverse. I had, a, I had planned the race and was racing the plan to a T. I even crossed the, high, the halfway point about two minutes faster than my previous half marathon PR. Right on target. But then I reached a long hill from miles 17 through 19. It was tougher than I expected and I wasn't feeling too great at the top. So I ate an energy gel and everything went south in a hurry. I got sick to my stomach, and after another mile, I simply could not run anymore and had to start walking. The pain was excruciating, and all of the acid that had been building up in my legs flushed itself out all at once. The agony seemed to magnify uh, by my being completely stripped of energy over the previous 20 miles. In the span of about 15 minutes, I had gone from feeling on top of the world to complete devastation. An entire season of training seemed to have been flushed down the drain. By the grace of God, I finished the race nearly 45 minutes slower than my previous marathon and nearly searching, or excuse, excuse me, nearly scaring my wife half out of her wits when I called her from a medical tent to let her know I was okay. I put on a happy face and told her I was glad to have finished, but inwardly, I was crushed. During the car ride home, the most amazing thing happened. As I was trying to fall asleep, I heard this voice in my mind clearly say, that barely scratched the surface of what I went through for you. Wow. Even though I grew up in church, went to a Christian university, and was living life how I thought a young Christian man should, it was not until that moment that I began to understand the depth of God's love. Jesus Son of God, took that moment of deep disappointment to speak to me. He knew how deeply that race mattered. Had I not gone through that awful race, I would not have understood what he was saying. He loved me enough to allow me to fail so that my heart would hear his words. I'm still awestruck every time I remember those words. 
Jesus desperately loves each and every one of us. Any pain that you experience, be it through training, injury, or life experience, barely scratches the surface of the pain that our Savior endured so that he could conquer sin and death once and for all. That's a great story, Sam. Yeah. <clears throat> Sam went on to run. He He's one of those ultra junkies now. He likes yeah. to run a, a cross countries and yep. um, all kind of cool stuff. So um, Yeah, he'll tell you he's a sprinter. And so he's not a distance runner, but he's... <laughs> it sure doesn't but, show by the yeah, races he but, signs up for. Yeah, yeah he's crazy. Uh, uh, but yeah, we see this all the time, right? Good things coming out of bad circumstances. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's again, it's... You got to have the bad circumstances we to learn the good things. That's right. Um, you know, we just went through a couple of tough years with the yeah. whole COVID thing mm-hmm. and... Um, but even with COVID and, and as bad as it was, we had some good things that came out of it. You know, we, we realized we don't have to meet in person for everything. And, and I think that's a good thing. Now, I like meeting in person, and I think we probably need to get back to doing a little bit more of that. Um, I'm so over cases. Zoom. And I get I am so over. I will fly across the country to meet you if it can get me out of Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> I despise uh, it now. Uh, but we realized we can still get some things done True. doing that. And True. that and that that was a good thing. Um you know, our our kids, I think, they were prof- they were affected in some profound ways through sure. schools and things like that. But I think we learned some things about what our kids were going through that really has really helped. It's been good. It's been enlightening for us. I think parents are now more invested in their children's education than they were prior to this. Right. Uh, for for some, the 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 parents really appreciate the teachers a little bit more mm-hmm. because they realize this is not that easy to make sure that the kids kids learn these things. Anyway, a lot of bad things, a lot of good things came from the bad circumstances, um, and we've all been through that bad race uh, where we <laughs> yeah. when we we thought we were going to have a good race and we go into it and then it's a huge frustration, mm-hmm. right? When we get through that race and we're like, all that work and look what just happened. What is the going into a race? Because we've all had those races that Sam's talking about where you, you have this time in mind and then you finish with this time and it's not even close. What is the biggest gap that you've ever had where I'm going in and I'm going to run 250 and you finished? What What is the biggest span between what you thought and reality at the end of the race? Well, it depends Curious on the to know that. depends on the length of the race. Say marathon. So for a marathon, um, trying to run two fifty and running three eleven. So twenty like, minutes, twenty yeah, minutes, twenty minutes. Hmm. Yeah, um, I just completely fell. That was at the Boston Marathon. Yeah, and um, that was the time that I tried. We did. We had the uh, run at the mill, and then I. I think I remember I was watching that one, the live feed, yeah. the finish line, and we were like, "Where's Dean? Yeah. Where's Dean?" <laughs> yeah, and then you. You could tell when you came through on the, if it's the one I'm thinking about, oh, he's hurting. Uh, it was bad. Yeah. It was bad. I, that and I spent I spent some time in the medical tent after that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was that was that was a rough day, but um, it was a good experience for a lot of other reasons that sure. we won't go into now. But to to his point, yeah, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's probably my, that was my slowest marathon I ever ran. Uh, well, that's not true. My slowest marathon was after, at the end of a triathlon. So, mm. uh, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Psalm twenty two twenty four says, For he has not despised nor abandoned the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard. Of course, that's a psalm from David. Mm-hmm. And uh, David was facing his enemy. He was really troubled by the idea of facing his enemies. Uh, his enemy was right there, close by. Um, but he also understood that no matter what his enemies were doing and no matter how close they were, God was right there with him. Right. And, um, and he, w- he was thankful for that. And we should all recognize that, that God's always there, even in these times when, I'll tell you what, when that, that marathon that I ran in Boston didn't feel like <laughs> anybody was there. It felt like it was just me and my pain. Yeah. Uh, but, he's, but the truth is he's there and, um, all the time. And a lot of times we don't see it in the moment. I think that's the trick is to try to figure out how to get there where you can see it in the moment. And, and I think rare, rarely you see it in the moment. It's, yeah. it's why we always talk about you've got to look back. You know, it, To me, it's how you know that your relationship with Christ is not fully matured. Right. When, because that should be our default, right? Well, I think, I, think many, I think we learn to know that God is in it in the moment. But very rarely do you see God's plan in the moment. Well, that's true. A lot of times, it's always it's always looking back, going, "Oh, that's what you were up to," because um, I, I think I think just like David, he God allows us to get to that point of kind of agonizing about things, and and because He wants us to come to Him and put our, you know, that's often what brings us closer to God is when we we know He's there, but we don't know what He's up to. Yeah, and so it really draws us close because we want the answers. Yeah. Um, and I just think that's all part of God's plan a lot of times. Yeah, I think you're right. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Of course, that's the verse right after Hebrews 12, 1, mm-hmm. which is kind of our flagship <clears throat> verse. Um, and I like this because it basically is saying he's the foundation. That's when it says he's the author Mm-hmm. of our faith he is the foundation of our faith um, it's it's what it's all about life everything about life um, and then it says he is the finisher and to me that means not only is he the foundation he is all we need yeah once you have once you have that that's that's all you need and I like the way that that's put the author and the finisher I like the I like the new King James a little bit better it, we've talked about it before the perfecter of our yeah. faith and it's yeah. it's a it's an action it's not a statement it's it's a process yeah you know when i read this this morning i thought about you know landon and doing his woodworking and and sometimes when landon is making this beautiful piece whatever it is i'm thinking of a thing something he's got out there right now and right now it looks horrible it looks worse right now mm-hmm. than when he started yeah. but he has this picture in his head and he's perfecting that piece, and sometimes that means going through some ugly stages. Mm-hmm. And but in the end, we know what Landon's capable of doing. Well, sometimes God brings us through some pretty ugly stages. That's why it's not our perfect faith. It's why it's the perfecter of our faith. Yeah. And sometimes that that brings us in mud. Sometimes that brings us in agony and turmoil. And but we know in the end, we know when we walk through the gates of heaven, it's going to be that beautiful piece of furniture, whatever Landon's doing out there. But Landon could not get to where he's trying to go 
without being at the stage that that table is at out there right now. Mm-hmm. It looks horrible. You think, man, Landon has really messed this thing up. But Landon's got the picture in his head, and he knows what he's doing. And and right now he's perfecting it. He's yeah. he's per- the perfecter of that table. And I don't know why that illustration came to my mind this morning. I guess because I'm looking at what Landon's doing out there, and I'm like, I know what he's doing, but most people that would walk in would be, Man, he's run this thing in the ditch. What a, what a, what a mess. <laughs> but it, I don't know. It's just a great illustration for me that that's exactly how God allows our lives to go sometimes. And it, it's necessary. And to take it one step further, um, we're all a work of art to God. Exactly. And and he has He has this unbelievable great plan yeah. for each of us for that thing, to, for us to be finished. You know, I, I've told holly this if if you've watched this podcast i'm sitting here looking at right here so i kind of go in and out of a long beard yeah and a a beard is the same exact way and i've never gotten past this point i shave it when i get to this point but with a beard if you've ever grown a beard out there you know that there there comes a time where you get to that weird stage and you just really just don't even need to touch it you know things are going every which way but once you get past it you get to that everything kind of hangs down and it becomes very uniform. I've never been able to get past that weird state. I shave it, but it's just another example. Sometimes we have to go through the weird times. Yeah. We have to go through the ugly times. <laughs> God brings us to the, the turmoil, but we know on the other side of it that things are good. That's a, that's a cool illustration. <laughs> Matthew 27, 11 through 54. It's a long, long thing here, but I think this is good, especially, um, especially this time of year. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and the elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him not one word, so that the governor marveled greatly. Now at the feast of at the feast the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished and at that time they had a notori- notorious prisoner called Barabbas therefore when they had gathered together Pilate said to them whom do you want me to release to you Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ for he knew that they had handed him over because of envy while he was sitting on the judgment seat his wife uh, sent sent his wife sent to him saying Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, Which of these two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? And they all said to him, Let him be crucified. Then the governor said, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that the tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, He delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. And 
a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of Jews. And they spat on him. They took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him. They put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Um, Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of the skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots that they might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there, and they put up over his head the accusation written against him. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroyed the temple and built it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, and if he will have him, for for he said, I am the Son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him in the, with the same thing. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness all over the land, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? That is, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, This man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Hmm. It's hard to read. It is. It is. And that's a, a picture of the resurrection. It really drives the point home with Sam, you know, mm-hmm. because you're thinking about the pain that he endured during that race. And I know what that pain feels like. I know exactly what he's talking about. And, yeah, it's nothing compared with that scene. Right. You know what really <clears> – <throat> And I've thought about this before, but I, I, it came to my mind again as you were reading that. What what stands out most about the the depiction of, or the picture of Jesus's crucifixion is that the governor asked him, "Are you the King of the Jews?" And Jesus said, "It is as you say." And then he remained silent. Yeah, you know, it makes me think of. The whole idea that Jesus said, let, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You know, nowadays we're so, we feel like we we say what we we say, yes or no, and we feel like we got to justify it. And we just keep talking and keep talking and keep talking. And Jesus really paints the picture here that your silence 
many times is the most convincing thing. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, it is said that, you know, do you not hear how many things testify against you? And he answered not one word. I can only, I can only imagine because this governor, he didn't, he didn't want to do this. Yeah. He, I think he felt it in the pit of his stomach. His, his wife was warning him, you know, there was all these things telling him don't do this. So you know that he 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 probably did this over and over and over that day. You know, just just take back what you said, Jesus. And Jesus was just very stoic and didn't say anything. And that that's a lesson for me because you know somebody accuses me of something. You just you just you want to make your case and make your case. And sometimes yeah. we just we need to say yes or no. No, I didn't say that. Or yes, I said that. And then just remain silent because. We can we can become ineffective by trying to be effective. Yeah, um, I don't know. That's just what kind of stood out to me the most about hearing this this morning is Jesus's silence yeah. through this whole process. Yeah, it makes me think of um, you know, and I don't want to get into politics, but the whole cancel culture thing and somebody being you know canceled for lack of a better term. You know, that's what they call it. Um, and then somebody feeling like they have to go through this big, long explanation. Mm-hmm. But in reality, the big, long explanation, whatever the apology is for something that you're really not sorry for, mm-hmm. in most cases, is is not going to help the situation. No. And most of the time, it's better just to, just to remain quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I can't think of... Um, I thought about this this story from this standpoint. If 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 you asked me what's the most pain, most pain I've ever been in in a race, I'm not sure that I could put my finger on one race. Right? Mm-hmm. I, can't, I don't know that I could think of. I've, I've had a few that were of note. Jesus doesn't have that problem. Jesus knows what the most painful time in his life was. There's no question about it. There's one point in time, and it way surpasses everything else. And I don't know why that struck me that that it, it was such a poignant thing that that there's nothing that compares with it. There's nothing you can compare it to. And 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 I don't know if this is what you're saying or not, but to me, the pain was not the crucifixion. Well, yeah. When is the next time he spoke? When God, when he was separated from God. That's right. Why have you forsaken me? To me, that was the most painful part of the whole thing. Yeah. Was when. I mean, because God had to separate himself, except God had to separate himself from the sin. Yeah. And and Jesus knew that. And that was the most painful part of the whole thing was being separated. Yeah. In that moment. Wow. What is the worst suffering you've ever experienced as a runner? <clears throat> Mine is the Albany Marathon. Yeah. I, that race will stand out in my mind forever. It was it was my one and only time that I tried to qualify for Boston I was I was in the best shape of my life at the start of that race I was in sub 312 sub 315 shape I was really I think I had to run 306 to get a Boston it was when I was a little bit younger so the time was much faster but very similar situation to to um Sam here and it was it was actually my nutrition is what got me as well yeah. Uh, but that race, it was pouring at the start line. I yeah. mean, pouring. There were tornado sirens going off. We actually went to one aid station, and the volunteers were gone. 
because yeah. there were tornado sirens going off. There was a lot of tornadoes in the southeast that day. Um, and I had eaten something or something got my stomach. It Mine was about mile 10 or 11. Um, and it was just, you know, you, you know your goal is gone, and then you just it's just agony yeah. the rest of the time. And, and yeah. mine was – that's why I was asking. You said 21 minutes. Mine was probably – I don't even remember now. That was probably an hour and a half yeah. between what I thought I was going to wow. do. Cause I think I, yeah, I mean, it was like four forty. It was over an hour and a half, four forty. I think is what I ran that race in. Yeah. And it was just, it was horrible. Wow. So yeah, that race stands out to me, man. It's funny because when I think about this, what, what is the worst suffering you've ever experienced as a runner? I know this sounds crazy, but my mind immediately goes to races where I was successful and I hurt really bad. Mm. And so, you know, there was one race in particular that comes to mind where there was a local guy that I'd been trying to beat for years and, and I finally beat him that day. And I just remember how intensely it hurt finishing that race. Cause it was like, at that point I, re- I knew I was pat. it was a five K I was past, I, I was ahead of him at two miles and I was like, this is unfamiliar territory. I got to really <laughs> hammer it home here. And, and I did, and it hurt so bad. Uh, totally worth it, of course. Yeah. But I just that that one kind of sticks out on me. And then, of course, like I said, that one that one Boston Marathon was was that wasn't the only one either. I've had two marathons. My first marathon I've talked about before. Mm-hmm. You know where I didn't drink anything for right. the entire marathon because I didn't know any better. I was young. I had no idea. And um, yeah, that was that was rough. <laughs> that was rough. That was another one that I finished probably. Um, that was probably 17 minutes slower. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you're in the middle of it, how do you deal with suffering? I like to focus on something else Mm -hmm. when I'm in the middle of something. Also like, let's say I'm running and you know, my lungs feel like they're going to explode. Well, then I focus on, well, how do my legs feel? Mm -hmm. Um, if my legs hurt and that seems to be my limiting thing then I start to think about my cadence and keeping my cadence going Uh, but I'm always trying to change from whatever the most painful thing is to something more manageable Mm -hmm. and that seems to help me I think I don't know what do you think what do you for me it's the finish line just think about it's it's this will be over when I get there yeah and uh that that's what that's what gets me there now maybe maybe I could change that and Cause at that point that day in Albany, I was just focused on, let's just get this over with at this point. But maybe, maybe if you could, maybe if I could learn to do what you do and put my mind on something else in the moment, maybe I could pull myself out of that. But many times when, when things go bad, I'm not one of those that can recover from it. It's like, I've chalked this up to a bad race. Get me to the finish line and and let's do this again. Some other time I've, I've never tried to qualify for Boston since then. Um, that's still kind of on my goal one day, but I think I'm going to let my age group catch up to my time <laughs> is what I'm going to do from here on. But, uh, but yeah, my mind is always kind of defaulted to the finish. Let's, and that's, that's not just in running. It's if you're going through something, it's yeah. just get me out of this. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you're right. That makes it hard, but I, I only, re- I can only recall one race where things were, were going South and I adjusted and got back on and still had a decent race. And that was another Boston race mm-hmm. um, where I, I I realized probably 15K in that I couldn't, I wasn't going to reach my goal. And so 
I backed off early before it got bad Mm -hmm. and it made all the difference. Mm -hmm. And I was able to run, you know, a time that I think I was trying to run under 245 and I wound up running on 248. I mean, it wasn't, I wasn't that far off. So, um, yeah. When out, when you think about that's, that's from a running standpoint, what about personal suffering? It's a whole different story, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, because very often for me, I want to feel sorry for myself. I want to lash out or I just want to give up. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always a severe reaction for me. I think I can redirect much better when it's personal. Yeah. Um, you know, I, yeah, I think for me, it's easier to do more so than physical. Physical is just get me out of this. Yeah. But personal many times you can't do that. It's, yeah. you can't just, I mean, you can, but, Personally, you, you got to figure out a way to redirect, refocus, put your mind on something else. You know, if it's one of those sleepless nights and you're just, you can get up. Yeah. Go think about and journal and write down or do whatever you got to do. Cause I, you know, I've had those sleepless nights. I think we've talked about that on yeah. here before. My default is always, I'll just get up. If it's two o'clock in the morning, it's just going to be a long day that day. Cause, yeah. I have to channel that. Yeah. Some of, it's not just get me through it. It's what are we going to do about this? Yeah. That's interesting. I know that uh, when I feel like I'm going through a, for lack of a better term, suffering, as, mm-hmm. as he asked the question here, one thing that I feel like I am good at is once, once you go through that, that short period of time that it lasts, I can forget it. I can be back past it and done with it. A lot of people let that really dwell. let them. It, they let it cause more suffering sure. later on because they dwell on it. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's something that's that's not a problem that I have. I don't. Typically yeah, I think that's the things. action in us that we'll, yeah we like to take decisive action and get past it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how can you make your reaction to suffering more Christ-like? <laughs> I think that's the big question thinking about christ it's yep. it's it's you know the wwjd bracelets that what would yeah. jesus do it's yeah. it's constantly having that question in your mind how can i be more christ-like in this situation and um the only way that you can keep that question in the forefront of your mind all the time is to be in daily conversation with god to be in daily reading his word and, and praying and talking to him. Um, if you're doing that, then he's always in your mind yeah. and it's easy to ask yourself that question, but you let a few days go by. It's just, I mean, it's, it's a relationship. Yeah. You let a few days go by and, and not talk to your best friend. And you know, that, that, that best friend, that relationship's going to get strained and you're not thinking about that person as much. Yeah. Um, and, we, we've we've got to put our relationship with Christ in, in in that context that it's a daily thing it's a it's an hourly thing that you've got to maintain. Yeah, I think about it from a context of you know whenever if I go through something tough, the well, Debbie's always there mm-hmm. with me, and she, you know, she goes through it with me. You know, she's not necessarily going through the same thing, but she feels it and mm-hmm. she's supportive, and she's and that's kind of the way it is with Christ. Sure. Now, I live in the house with Debbie, so she's always there. Mm-hmm. And so she is there when when I need some kind of emotional support or whatever. Well, 
the same thing goes for for God. Sure. And if if you're living in the same house as God, in other mm-hmm. words, He's close to you all the time, then then you get that support. Sure. Do you struggle with motivation to exercise? Are you looking for something that will challenge you and inspire and motivate you? The Run for God Run Club is just what you need to get off the couch and on your way to a fitter, healthier you. Stop trying to get into better shape and do it. With the help and inspiration of thousands of others who are going through the same challenges you face. Whether you're participating in the Couch to Marathon Challenge or just looking for a daily pick-me-up to get active, join the Run for God Run Club today. You can join for as little as 27 cents a day. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at www.runforgod.com. back and um, I read this post and uh, this is what it said it said I've heard people say a runner with long legs has an advantage however here are the heights of the greats um, Gabra Selassie was five foot five Bekele five foot five Cheptegei five foot six and Kipchoge five, four, five foot six I would have thought Kipchoge was taller than that he yeah. I guess it's just pictures you see. Yeah. Usually he's never running with anybody, so yeah. <laughs> you can't really judge it. But I, I would yeah. assume he was like six foot. There are it, very, very few wow. um, distance runners who are six feet tall or taller. Yeah. Um, mm. And, you know, Usain Bolt broke our perception of sprinters, but sprinters most of the time mm-hmm. are relatively – usually they're around average. They're, they're 5'10". Mm-hmm. You know, they're – in in that five ten to six feet, I think is is kind of the sweet spot typically for a sprinter. And of course, Usain Bolt was six five, so he he looked odd and changed our perception. But but in general, I hear this all the time. I hear people say, "Well, with those legs, he ought to be able to run fast." And hmm. the truth is, is that it it doesn't matter. Yeah, I've never really thought that. Now, there's a little bit of a uh, a, a truth to the ratio. You know, if mm-hmm. your legs are are longer in proportion to your body, and for a lot of these greats, they, that's one thing they did have. Not yeah. all of them. Kipchoge's kind of normal, to, mm-hmm. you know, but Gabor Selassie was one of those guys who had kind of short body real and longer legs, and so sometimes that's the case. But, um, yeah, long legs don't, don't help you because it takes more uh, work to move a longer leg. Mm-hmm. And so it's not an advantage. Now you get a longer stride, so it's it's a, it's a trade off. But by and large, now there is one thing that all these guys have in common, and that is that they're all very light. Mm-hmm. And so the one thing that uh, all elite runners have is that they're they're efficiently built from a weight standpoint. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to get faster. It, won't, it doesn't matter how long, how short your legs are, um, you know, then then weight is a, is a way to do that. This, you know, I've gotten a little bit better over the last couple of years because of my plant-based diet, but a good portion of that is because I'm about 10 pounds lighter than I was yeah. um, when I wasn't on a plant-based diet, and I think that makes, I'm leaner. Yeah. And so I'm not carrying around extra weight. I mean, think about the idea of, Carrying a bowling ball with you while you're running. Reverse engineering, yeah. 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 
and uh, that would make it hard. So again, we're we're not advocating that everybody needs to lose a bunch of weight and be as skinny as you can be. And right. Not saying that at all. Um, you don't want to be careful. You want to make sure you get enough fuel in your body. Mm-hmm. That's very very important. Um, but that is that is something that, that makes a difference. And uh, I just wanted to dispel this thing because there are some people who think the longer your legs, the faster you run, and it's just simply not true. Mm-hmm. So. All right, it's a time for Dean's thoughts, and that's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. Are you bothered by gnats? Yes. <laughs> Here's what happened to me when I lived in places with lots of gnats. This one's called Below the Gnat Line. I spent seven years in South Georgia in a town called Tai Tai. If you've ever been to South Georgia in the summer, you know that it is below the gnat line. If you have ever, if you've never heard that phrase before, the Nat line is an imaginary line across Middle Georgia, where locations south of the line are blessed with millions of extra creatures known as gnats. Constantly flying around your face, gnats are among the peskiest creatures on the face of the earth. If that weren't bad enough, I spent five years in South Florida, where I would argue the gnats are even worse. In any case, I lived 12 years of my life in areas with a heavy gnat population. Occasionally, we'll get an influx of gnats here in North Georgia. When the gnats are bad where I live now, most people are highly agitated by the little bugs, but I don't even notice. Why? Because I grew up used to them. I grew used to them uh, when I lived further south. They don't bother me. It's not that they leave me alone. Quite the contrary. They seem to fly around my face more than others because I'm not constantly waving them away from my face. They're really not that bad once you get used to them. And that's exactly what we do with our running. There's a point in time when we simply stop reacting to gnats because we know it's going to do very little good to swat swat at them. In the same way, once we get enough uh, consistent running miles under our belt, the uncomfortable feeling is much easier to tolerate. Oh, it's still there, just like those gnats, but it's much easier to run through it. At some point, our bodies just accept that running is not as uncomfortable as we think it is. That's why it's so important to be consistent. At the beginning of each change of season, it takes time to adjust to the warmer or colder weather because we're not used to it. If you alternate running for a week and then taking a week off, you never give your body a steady enough dose to quickly adapt to the change. It will take you far longer to adjust. If, on the other hand, you force yourself onto the running trail, you will find that you will adapt at a a much shorter time frame. Living a Christian lifestyle can be tough tough in a world where everything non-Christian seems to be encouraged. We're constantly bombarded with temptations to do and say things we shouldn't. So how do we get ourselves to the point where turning down those temptations is easier? Well, it turns out that it's a lot like the gnat issue. If we're always focused on Jesus, it makes it much easier to turn away from those temptations. The more often we're successful in turning away from them, the easier it is to do it. The Bible says in Proverbs 1.10, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. It's as simple as that. And if you follow that advice consistently, eventually you can live your life with those pesky gnats flying all around your face and you barely notice that they're there. A word of caution, though, just as we can get used to turning away from sin, we can get used to participating in it. That's why it's so important to focus on Christ every day. He will guide you away from those things, and before you know it, 
uh, you may not even notice that you're tempted, just as I barely notice the gnats these days. And if you'll get out the door regularly to run, it will become second nature. If you're one of those people who do not understand the words easy run, (laughs) you can get there. Being consistent will do it. It's a great story, Dean. (laughs) Sometimes I wonder where the nightline really is, though, because sometimes I think it's above us here. (laughs) We do get some gnats here occasionally, but they're never as bad as they are in South Georgia. Uh, Are gnats... Do you have gnats in other places? I'm thinking. I'm trying to think. I mean, you go up to the north and out west. Are there gnats? Uh, yeah, I think there are. They're just not as many. Because, I mean, here in the summertime, you can go for a three-mile run. And especially, like, sometimes in the summer you take your shirt off. It'll just be, you look down, and it's it's almost disgusting. It's like it's like the windshield of a car. Yep, it's true. And you're not running that fast. Yeah. But they'll just be stuck to you all over you. That's true. And it's, hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> <Nats are>, bad. <laughs> and I guess another term we could use for this is to normalize. Mm-hmm. You know, that when you get to the point where you, you the gnats are around your face all the time and it becomes just normal, mm-hmm. you, you kind of normalize that and it just doesn't become a big deal. And that's what we're trying to do when we run and we run every day. We're trying to get our bodies to a state where it feels normal mm-hmm. to run. And then, of course, it becomes easier when you do that. So I think about it from the, my, my analogy here is when I, driving a manual transmission car. Right. When you're driving a manual transmission car, you're literally doing four different things with your all four limbs, right? Mm-hmm. All at the same time. And you don't even give it a second thought mm-hmm. because you've gotten used to it and you do it every day. And it's very simple to do four different things with, with four limbs. But I think about the old, you know, rubbing your belly in a circle and patting the top of your head. Mm-hmm. You're and, doing a pretty good job of and, that, right? And now. how hard that is for people to do. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty simple thing, yeah. but it's hard to do. Why is it hard to do? Cause well, because we we're just trying to do it. Yeah. But if we did it every day, it would be easy, be easy. for us to do. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of where we're trying to get to with um, with with our running. Uh, but also, again, as I was talking about in this story, it's also how we want to get to with our relationship with Christ. Is sure. where it's the normal thing for us yeah. to spend time with Him all the time. So. Yeah, and you make a point in there where. You, you, you throw the warning out that it's it's easy to go the other way as mm-hmm. well. I I don't know why I had this on my heart yesterday. Well, I know why because I I've got some some friends who um, and and I think we all have these people that these were people that were very active in my church and it's it's a it's a whole family and uh, COVID hit. And of course, we all kind of went home and did the online thing and whatever. And when when we started coming back, this family didn't come back. And I'm, of course, I'm friends with them on social media. And, and and this is not meant to be judgmental in any way. It's a wake up call to us all how slippery this slope is. But they didn't come back to church. They're great people, incredible people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've noticed slowly over the past two years just the things they're doing yeah it's just it's it's and you know if you take any one of those things it's not it's not like it's bad things right but it's just not godly things 
and and we all do those things. We we all watch that show we shouldn't have watched, or we all whatever. But when when you this goes to my point, this goes to our point that we've talked about so much is constantly being with surrounding yourself with believers, i.e., church, or mm-hmm. or at least getting plugged into something where you're constantly being edified because. It's, it hurts my heart to see what's happening. Yeah. But it's also God really giving me a vivid um, example of what can happen when we start to pull, when we start to make society the norm yeah. instead of godly things the norm. When we start to let not running become the norm instead of running become the norm, before we know it, we're going to look up and we hadn't ran in three years. Yep. But that can also happen in our walk with Christ. Even though you're a child of God, you're saved, you're going to be in heaven. We can strain that relationship so much that it sometimes we just don't even hear God anymore. And and I, I'm seeing that. I, maybe God's talking to me through this couple, through this family that, look, because this can happen to any of us. Sure. Like I said, this is not casting judgment on them because mm-hmm. we can blink and it happened to us. And um, I don't know that this story really brought that to the forefront of my mind this morning that we got to be diligent just as, just as we got to be diligent to, to stay in the race of running, uh, our walk with Christ. It's, it's not, we get saved and we're done. Right. Just like we, we don't run one race and we're, we're a runner forever. Yeah. You know, you can, you, you can, you can be a runner in name only a lot that's, of times. That's right. Um, and so I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a that's a I mean that's a good point and a and a good illustration of what we're talking about. I think about an illust- a different illustration for myself on the positive side of things is I'm way better in traffic than I used to be. Well, why am I better in traffic than I used to be? Well, cuz I've spent more and more time in traffic over the years in those frustrating situations that used to really get my blood boiling. And I've learned to just kind of relax through those things. And I've done it very purposefully because I wanted, I I realized what I was doing and how silly it was. And so I've very purposefully worked on that and I've gotten, gotten much better at it. But every now and then the old Dean pops up in traffic. For sure. It did with me yesterday. For sure. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone. Some people just don't know how to drive, right? I'm telling you, I don't (laughs) understand it. At Run For God, we care about more than just your exercise. We care about your relationship with God, and we believe that the music you listen to while you run can help you build your relationship with God. That's why we partner with J Radio. J Radio offers a variety of positive and Christian playlists to listen to while you run. You can find a playlist that I put together on the Run For God station at J Radio. Every week, I share a reason why running is so awesome, and this is the reason for this week. It makes it easier to give Christmas gifts, mm-hmm. right? If you're looking for a Christmas gift for a runner, it's simple. Just find out what running store they like to shop at, buy a gift card, <laughs> or buy, find out what, what kind of shoes they wear. We all can use a new a new pair of shoes, sure. right? Sure. And uh, we would all appreciate that if somebody... I need a out, new pair now. Yeah. If somebody went out and bought me a new pair of Saucony Freedoms right now, I'd be like, man, that's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, uh, and I just stick them in my closet, wait till the ones I'm wearing wear out. Sure. And uh, so, yeah, it's uh, a pair of running shorts, uh, some running leggings for, for the ladies, uh, 
some run for God gear. Mm-hmm. Um, really good idea for uh, for folks, but um, maybe some recovery gear. Maybe I need a new foot roller. I still got to get me a new a foot new roller. A new foot roller. I need a new foot roller. What yeah. happened to your old foot roller? I let somebody borrow it. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you wore it out or something. No, 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 no. I let somebody borrow it. and uh, I don't So wanna... go get it back. Well, I, th- I think she's still using it. And so, you know. So uh, she needs to buy a foot roller. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway. I it need makes... a new foot roller. I do need That's a new That's the first. <laughs> Well, let's talk about high mileage versus low mileage and high intensity versus low intensity. You know, when we talk about training, um, we have, we, there, there, there are high mileage runners. There are low mileage runners. There Mm -hmm. are people who run with a lot of intensity in their workouts and and some that runs a lot of long, slow miles. Um, what do you think is the right way to do it? I think everybody is very different when it gets to, gets to these kind of conversations. There's not a, there's not a prescription that works for everyone. Yep. You know, with the 5K challenge, even up to how we do the marathon, you know, for beginners, it's a pretty safe prescription for about anyone. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you get the emails all the time. You know, you, you've you got somebody that's a little bit more advanced runner, and they want to know how to maybe take their time from a 4-hour to a 3.30. Well, there's a lot more dialogue needs to happen than, oh, here, do this. Yeah. Um, it becomes very individualized it does. at that point. It does. And, and it, there's so many factors that go into determining. One of the things, for example, is I cannot train with the same intensity that I could 30 years ago. Sure. Because the body just won't handle it. As, yeah, as you get older, you don't recover as fast. I'm learning that right now. <laughs> yeah. um, so the one thing you can't do, typically it's, typically it's high mileage, low intensity, or low mileage high intensity you don't really want to try the high mileage high intensity sure <laughs> now the professionals get by with doing that um, but they're professionals it's their job that's their yeah. job yeah uh, and i think one of the things that um people don't understand is like high mileage is is different i think than people think it is um you know for me high mileage is running 80 miles a week mm-hmm. that's high mileage um, for a lot of people, if you're running, let's say you're running 35 miles a week. If you think running 40 or 45 miles a week is, is high mileage because it's that much higher than what you're doing. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not. And that's, I think that's where high mileage means a lot more miles. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, as you mentioned, everybody's different sure. in how many, how many constitutes high mileage versus somebody else. I see that with our college girls. Some of them can handle a lot of miles and right. some a, a lot less. Right. And so uh, we, have to, we have to be careful with that. But, you know, uh, it's we've seen some really good examples recently. And I never I've never seen this before until this is like a new phenomenon. This really super low mileage and high intensity and, and having great success with it. Um, but two two that I thought about Natalie Cook who was the fastest high school runner in the nation last year um, and ran 20 miles a week or so, uh, and sometimes less, uh, and and was the best high school runner in the country. And then Cade Flatt, who we've talked about on here before, who um, famously runs 12 miles a week Mm -hmm. and runs, you know, he's the second fastest 800 high school, 800 meter runner ever. Um, So 
But here's what happens. People look at that and they see it and they go, I want to do what they're doing because <laughs> they think way, it's yeah. less work. Sure. But it's not yeah. less work because I guarantee you for all of those miles that Natalie Cook is running, she's spending a ton of time doing other things to supplement her running. And so if you think that running high intensity miles and running shorter miles is going to take less time, mm. it's not mm. because it's going to require you to do lots of other things yeah. to, to supplement that. So I don't know. That's my thoughts on it. Um, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm a little torn there. I, I, and, and I'm looking at this through the eyes of, of Lane right now, you know, Lane, historically Lane has always been a very low mileage runner and excelled. And but that's of, because he supplemented those low he, miles. He supplemented, but the interesting thing is, and both time, he's he's now a collegiate runner, and now both times that he has gone over sixty five miles, he's wound up injured. Mm. Maybe that's a coincidence. We don't know at this point. He's he's right now on his way back up to getting back up to that mileage. Um, but the the funny thing about this last injury, and it's to your point about when you start to get to those mileages, you really have to start doing even more outside of running is he can almost point or he feels like he can point to the day it happened to the mm. day when that injury he And he, he blames it on, he didn't do all the things after the run he should, that he should have done. He was in a hurry. It was a, it was a longer, harder run and he was in a hurry. He, he had some work to do and he basically got straight in the truck and went and then was on his feet for the rest of the day. He didn't stretch, didn't do a cool down, didn't do all these things that he knows to do. And this latest injury, he really points to one day. Wow. Um, but so, yeah, I, you know, we've always talked about some athletes can handle that higher mileage. Some can't. I, I think the verdict is still out on. Again, I think it just comes down to the person. I think so, too. Here's the bottom line for me is what do you enjoy doing? Mm-hmm. Do you enjoy, I enjoy the longer, easy miles. I really, I just enjoy those. And so for me, I think that works best for me because that's what I like doing. Mm-hmm. And so, and then I have something else that uh, uh, apparently a lot of people don't have. Lane doesn't have it, for example. Um, I can be running nothing but easy miles and a race comes up and I can run almost as fast as I could if I were doing really intense training. Sure. And a lot of people have a hard time getting into the well that deep mm-hmm. when they haven't done it in a while. Um, that's not a that's not an issue for me, but that's my personality. Mm-hmm. Some people are completely the opposite. Right. They have to be running a, a fair amount of good high intensity stuff in order to run a good race because their body needs to experience that before, sure. before race day. Uh, but whatever you like to do is is the important thing. And of course, for most of us. You know, if you're trying to BQ like Sam was, you know, you got to get serious about things Mm -hmm. in order to do that. Um, But for most of us, we just want to have some fun with it, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe we do want to get faster. There's nothing wrong with wanting to get faster, Uh, but don't take it too seriously. But there's nothing wrong with not wanting to get faster, too. That's right. And I think that's that's one thing that we've tried to rewire our small segment of society of running society in this run club is. If you don't want to get faster, there's nothing wrong with saying, I'm going to be a slow runner. That's right. The stigma in running is that that is a somehow bad thing, like you're like you're not goal-oriented and, and 
that's so far from the truth. If you want to be a walker, I mean, yeah. I, I've done it for two years now. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. We, we're trying to strip that stigma away from the – we've done it ever since we've been doing what we're doing. We celebrate the person in the back Amen. as much as we celebrate the person in the front because they're both doing things that improve their life. Yeah, and don't feel guilty about it. Yesterday, I was running on the track there in Cahutta, and there was a guy walking there. And we passed, and, you know, we kind of said hello as we passed. And then as I ran by him, he said, you know, I used to, I used to run like that when I was 40 pounds lighter. You know, because he feels guilty because he's walking. Right. And, of course, I stopped, and I, I was like, dude, what you're doing is it's awesome. awesome. It's awesome. And he's like, well, uh, you know, the Heart Association says I should be doing 150 minutes a week, and I try to do 250 minutes a week. I'm like, you're doing a great job. High five, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, if you're that person that, that feels like the person that runs by you, you need to say, look, I know I'm not as good as you, but I'm trying. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. You're doing a great job. Just yeah. do what you can do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, how about a trivia question for this week? This one's really simple and straightforward. What is the highest marathon in the world? Highest altitude marathon in the world. That's uh, the highest altitude marathon in the world. I would say that most people will have to Google this one. If somebody knows this off the top of their head, I'll be I'll be impressed. If you know this off the top, so of it's your not head, one of the normal altitude cities you think of, training cities. The, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have guessed it. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. So if you know the answer to that, you can send it to Dean at runforgod.com. And if you're the first person to send it, it's 20 bucks worth of merchandise, mm -hmm. which is awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, be the first person to send me the answer to that. What is the highest marathon in the world? All right. Well, let us leave you with this motivational thought of the week. The struggle you're in today is developing the strength you need for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Isn't that good? Robert Kinda goes along with everything we talked about today. Yep. Robert Two is an author. He's the guy who said that. And, um, yeah, I really like that. And we're, we're stronger because of what we've been through. Sure. And uh, so when we have trials, just like James says, we should embrace them because they're making us stronger. Just like you said, one of the reasons you like to run outdoors mm -hmm. is because you like the, the additional things it does for you. Mm -hmm. yeah, we should embrace that for sure. All right. Go out there and uh, share our podcast. Share this with other people. Rate the podcast. Yes. Yeah, we don't say that enough on here, but yeah. that, that really helps the algorithms or whatever you call it. Yeah. And um, think about think about the Couch to Marathon next year. January 2023. Uh, the date is escaping me off the top of my head right now, but it's if you go to runforgod.com, it's on the banner. Um, give us some thought. Run it. Walk it. One thing that we do for the marathons, just like the, the, the big beach marathon, we've talked to the race director and we got an extra hour for our walkers. So you've got eight hours to do that. Uh, the marathon that we're talking to right now, we're, we're doing the same thing. Um, it's walking a marathon, man, it's to me, it's just as big of an accomplishment as running a marathon. I, I would say the one I did was harder than running. Yeah. I mean, it's it's easier in one sense, but it's harder in another sense. It's it's just two different races. It That's is. really the best way to explain it. Yeah. You can't compare them. Mm -hmm. um, so, 
think about it. Pray about it. You've got a, another couple of months to, to figure it out, get a game plan. Um, just jump off the hot dive with us. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully we'll see you there. Know that we love you. Now may God bless every step of every run. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.